0: the darkness is the Out of the shadows of my life.
1: Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach.
2: I'm Kathy. I'm
3: Emily. And I'm Kat.
1: And tonight we are talking about So Weird Season 2, Episode 20, which is fathom and i get the impression that uh you ladies are not a fan of this episode
3: i think it was named because one must fathom who thought this was a good idea
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's my least favorite episode from the first two seasons and it's one of my least favorite overall
4: agreed yeah i think i have to say it's my least i want to say it's the least favorite of all the seasons but i'll decide once i rewatch season three again (laughs) I wouldn't say it's my
3: least favorite just because I really, really hate Avatar, and I don't think you can go any lower than Avatar, but this would be my second least favorite.
1: Um, I certainly would not say it's the worst episode overall. There are season three episodes I I dislike much more than this one. I mean, I've been on record as saying Changeling, I think, is my least favorite episode altogether, but uh, this one does not rank high. I can tell you that. This is near the bottom. Well, I'm not going to present a plot synopsis for this episode. Instead, I'm going to read the plot synopsis off the IMDb page, and there's no way this was not written by a So Weird fan. I'm not even entirely convinced that one of you three didn't write it, because <laughs> th- this is it. Okay. On a trip to Canada, a perverse man named Lol begins stalking Molly at her hotel room. Jack finally discovers the truth about Lol, and it isn't exactly that he's a psycho, it's much worse. dum dum <laughs> da dum Now, that plot synopsis is a little misleading because the weird thing about this episode is that Lol is a creep. Everything he does is creepy. From the moment he appears, he's a weirdo. And the episode, on one hand, seems to acknowledge that he is a creep. Yet at the same time... It does appear that Molly is at least sort of attracted to him on some level. And it just seems to be like a very divided screenplay.
4: Well, we can talk about the intro, which was uh, Fee talking about merfolk. It's kind of a long intro that I kind of zoned out (laughs) (laughs) and didn't really pay attention.
1: Well, you know, it's cool. Uh, I like how she talks about Hawaiian mythology, which is not mentioned a lot. So that's sort of neat that that comes up. It's a bit of a false lead because our merman in this episode is linked to Greek mythology. But, you know, it's sort of nice that they threw that in there.
2: King Maui sounds like a bad dad. He didn't want his daughter dating anyone, so he turned the mere god into a mountain. Like, what?
1: Every dad in classical (laughs) mythology is bad. Okay, well, since this episode will primarily be negative, I will mention a few things I do like about this one. I like that opening montage set to origami. and Is that the first time we've heard that song yeah. in Toto?
3: It is the first time we've ever heard origami, I think.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. And it's just cut to images of Molly being sad and looking forlorn out windows. And, you know, she eventually catches the eye of this guy in the crowd, and we're cut between scenes of him on the beach and Ugh. doing stuff. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, I really like the concept that this is a Molly focused episode because there aren't too many and I like that this is an episode about a middle-aged woman pursuing a romance and it's sort of funny because that opening montage just can't help but make me think you know Molly's been alone for a long time she's not getting any younger she hasn't perhaps she has desires that are not really appropriate for the Disney channel and no outlet for them. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> and to piggyback off of that. One of my favorite things about this montage is the way she is singing and dancing with Carrie on stage.
2: Oh boy! <laughs> and Chuck. <laughs> Chuck gets oh, yeah. on the action. Yeah. The basis.
1: <laughs> so, well, I mean, of course, Kat, you believe that Molly does have a uh, outlet for her, not Disney channel, appropriate feelings. <laughs>
3: Hey, I know subtext where I see it. There's definite Molly Carey subtext going on, especially in this episode on that stage in the montage where she starts singing those lines about how now she's a swan and a unicorn. She is with Carrie in those moments. Like, yeah, you go, Molly. You be your unicorn with Carrie. <laughs> and then at the end... Harry puts his arm around molly noticing that lal is being creeping the audience staring at her and it's like he's being protective of her
1: and it's kind of sweet um okay <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I can't
2: w- say i picked up on that
1: and another thing i do like about this episode is i feel like uh jack has a lot of good moments in this episode You know Patrick Levis actually gives a good performance in this one. I mean, I I say that like he never gives a good performance. He gives—he's good in this episode as usual. I like his little moments where he's being very defensive of his mom. That's very sweet. I like how that plays out.
3: Like for once, we're glad to see Jack being the logical one. Like usually, we kind of hate on him for being the party pooper. But like this time, it's like, yeah,
4: go Jack. You use your brain
3: because no one else is. Cat's
4: talking about using his brain and made me think of how he. You know, the little Fee and Carrie um, scenes, how, yeah. she's, how they're not using their brain. <laughs> Fee's trying to study for an exam, I think, and Carrie's trying to help her out by making educated guesses and not actually helping her out, you know, to study.
1: Yeah, and I gotta tell you, I've tried that uh, technique and it doesn't work. <laughs> 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 My favorite was always on the standardized tests is that C, C. is the most common question. And I got to tell you, there were a few where I had not studied. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to just mark everything down. See, I, and you know, all of averages predicts I'll get at least a, a 60 on this. That's a D, you know. But, um, but that's actually kind of where I was going to, because I was just going to say that Fiona actually has a very small role in this episode. She's not really involved in the mystery of the week at all for once.
2: Yeah, I wonder if this was another one of those episodes that was kind of designed to give Kara a little bit of a break, because she only has a couple scenes
1: I imagine it was probably that, and it was also probably a bit of, let's give Mackenzie Phillips an episode to do more stuff.
3: And also, Uh, it's really nice to see Jack taking the lead and being part of the investigation to find out who exactly is this vile person. And obviously, he doesn't believe in Merman, but he does believe that you don't let a creep mess with your
1: mom. Yeah, I mean, you even have him picking up the laptop and looking up information on the internet montage, so it's kind of a switcheroo in that way that's sort of interesting.
4: Well, I was looking on the forum, and I posted um, the song meanings that John Cooksey provided a while back, and for Origami, he says, this was an old song of Molly's back before she met Rick. It's mentioned in Vampire, I think, as being off an old PKB album. It was about Molly's stormy relationships and the fact that she put it back in her repertoire was a signal that she was starting to feel lonely for a man in her life. The song has an edge of physical yearning to it.
2: I love origami. I just have to say, I mean, I don't like this episode at all, but I love that song. I listen to that song all the time in the car and I'm like bopping along to it. I'm Mm -hmm. sure if you see me like from across the street or whatever, you'd be like, what the hell's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I I do. I think it's super catchy. I love the like, it's got a nice rhythm to it. And whoever's playing like the keyboard is having a blast.
1: I like the song too. It has kind of a funky instrumentation to it. The lyrics, I think are a little awkward, but uh, I like the song. Uh,
2: Yeah, I agree Um, with that.
3: This is a song that I actually didn't like growing up as a kid. I thought it was boring, but that's because from a kid's perspective, like you don't get it. But the older I get, the more I love origami,
1: and I love it now. Okay, so I guess we now can start talking about the things we don't like about this so, episode.
4: So starting off with the intro. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I like the Molly scenes, I guess, kind of. But... The, uh, what were they thinking with those loud scenes with the beach? I mean, obviously, I'm thinking um, it's geared towards the moms and older women who watch, I guess. I, I always feel so uncomfortable watching that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's just creepily staring at Molly while she's singing. And uh, Molly notices him. And, you know, when the song's over, she she's kind of, like, stunned or... Uh, Lau's used his power that he has somehow. And mm-hmm. so that's why Carrie like takes her off the stage. So it's like, did she originally get bad vibes too?
1: Yeah, well, there's really nothing creepier you can do, speaking as a man, you can do to a woman than just make really intense eye contact for no reason.
3: <laughs> and also, this reminds me, somebody else put out this theory about Fathom with Lau's eye contact in that scene in the dressing room after the show where he kind of stalks molly and like basically asks, asks her out on a date and at first she's like i don't even know you and then intense eye contact contact me at my hotel and that person has a theory that maybe Lau could hypnotize people and at first i thought like and eh, maybe that's too reaching but after watching this again more recently that theory in mind i think that might make more sense yeah okay.
2: there's even a sound cue like that- lets you in on the fact that he's using some kind of power on her.
4: and that's Yeah, the sound cue and zooming in on his eyes.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's pretty heavily implied that he has some sort of mind control thing of some sort. And I think it's supposed to be sort of a play on the mermaid, the siren song.
2: I actually mentioned to my mom that I was watching this episode from So Weird about a merman, and she was like, oh, is that the one about the siren? And I was like, no, but they're very similar. And rewatching just now... This scene, the first scene where Lau sneaks back into her, you know, backstage after the concert, parallels completely with Carrie going into Callie's dressing room and Siren.
1: Exactly. Like, yeah, I can totally see it.
2: Because he's like talking about how sad her song is, which is exactly what Car- Carrie said to Callie. Why did they think it was okay to completely rehash this idea? That was like,
3: interesting the way that they reversed it. Because when it was the woman, she had the man attracted to her, and the man is the one going in. And then with Molly, the merman is the one with the hypnotism power, but the man is the one going into her dressing room, like kind of hunting
2: her down. It's interesting. I I didn't pick up on how closely they resembled each other until just now when I rewatched it.
1: I I don't know if it was an intentional rehashing, because the episode was written by Gene Grillo, who, as far as I can tell, his only previous credit on the show was Nightmare. So, I think it's entirely possible he had no familiarity with Siren, but that those are some pretty clear parallels that I didn't think about. You guys are totally right.
4: It makes me so sad that he wrote Nightmare, because that's like in my top five.
3: <laughs> I know, I was just thinking, how can you write something as wonderful as Nightmare, and then give us this? <laughs>
1: Yeah, but just, you know, getting down to the, the brass tacks of it, lol is creepy. Like, there's no other word for it. The dude is a creeper. Everything about him is off-putting.
4: Yeah, yeah. he's he the says, worst villain we have ever <laughs> encountered on so weird. He says, men must have tried to get close to you. So he says these things, like, he's picking it up from her song, or he's just really good at guessing, or he kind of knows, like, mind, reading her mind somehow.
1: I don't know if he's reading her mind or if he's been stalking her for a long time. <laughs> <Noting> <laughs> it's been really
4: creepier
3: because one way that he could have been stalking her is through Fiona's website, and that just brings a whole new level of creepy to the situation.
2: In the opening montage, it seemed like he kind of stumbled upon her in the club. Like, he looked over to yeah. the window and saw her. So I don't think he was stalking her beforehand.
4: There's, like, an urgency for him to convince her to go you know away with him back to the water so i'm thinking he has like a little bit of time to find a mate i guess and then he has to go back into the water because throughout the episode he's like changing back to a merman
1: yeah they don't really expound on that very well do they there's just this idea Mm -hmm. that lol is turning back into a fish and he needs to return to the ocean
0: and then that really
3: weird scene where he's just swimming in the hotel pool.
1: Yeah, and the way he goes up to Jack is just super off-putting. Yes. I mean, it's basically a guy going up to the woman he's interested son and saying, "Like, hey, is it cool if I bang your mom?" You know. <laughs> and it doesn't. And you don't get to have an opinion. I'm gonna bang her. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, she's mm-hmm.
2: so
4: special. I want her to be part of my life. And then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: no. Then he says, "You fear what's coming, Jack, but you can't stop it."
4: Oh,
1: yeah, that is horrible.
4: Like, why would they write that line?
1: And like I said, the thing that really puts me off about this episode is that if they had played it totally straight and that, you know, either Lol is like straight up a villain and manipulating Molly psychically and is a total scumbag and a creep and a weirdo, that would have been one thing. But the fact that it's totally uncertain, like it seems to say like, oh, well, maybe this law guy isn't too bad. Maybe Molly actually does have feelings for him. And that's the part that sticks in my
2: teeth. I completely agree. Like the ending scene, we'll get to it. It's the worst scene in the whole show in my mind. But like it's almost designed to make you sympathize with him.
1: No, let's talk about that now because it's like it wants us to sympathize with him after he does like an objectively awful thing. He 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 pushes Jack away. He Jack hits his head on like the pier and falls into the water. And it's like, you you straight up just tried to kill him. Like, that is just the shittiest thing you could have done, man. You know? <laughs> There's no coming back from that.
2: You know, and that scene is so poorly choreographed that it's hard to tell if he meant to do it, like, to actually kill Jack or if he just, like, kind of I mean, accidentally I pushed think him.
4: You can argue that, because to me, it looks like he didn't push him, but that Jack, like, saw his arm or something, and it was, like, that merman arm, and he was moving it a- away from him and uh, accidentally pushed him. That's how I see it.
2: But visually, it's just so awful to look at and watch. And it, it Seriously, it makes me sick. It makes me sick that they thought this was okay to do on this show.
1: <laughs> well, I was watching this just now, the scene where Molly and Lal are swimming in the pool, and I'm thinking, like, I can't believe they, this aired on Disney because yeah. it's, it's so far outside of what you would think their target audience would want.
3: Yeah. Oh well keep in mind that Molly was swimming fully clothed.
1: Well yeah, of course.
2: Yeah, but like when he takes off her shoes.
4: Yeah, what uh, is with that like <laughs> So sensual to me. Um before that, Lau gives Jack that big old pearl as a gift or whatever to Molly.
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking about here. <laughs>
4: and then uh she goes um, on a date with him to the aquarium. And then they're talking about a uh, fish and love. And then another weird line that Lao says, uh, cause he's talking about some, what is it? An octopus or something?
1: Yeah. The octopus loves him.
4: <laughs> it's some, he's like, yeah, that's how they show love. And then he's like, they understand the world by touching. And then yeah. Molly says something and he's like, it's the surest way to know the truth. And then he yeah. says another <laughs> horrible line. <laughs> if you want it, you go after it and you take it. Like you take it? Oh, that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a big problem with me with this episode is that it's ostensibly about Molly, but she has like no agency throughout the story.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because at the beginning when Lyle's talking to her, it's All of his phrasing is, I want you to, I want to talk to you tomorrow. I want to see you later. It's never about what she wants. It's all about him and his desire for power and all that.
3: And then it also bothers me in that scene where Jack confronts her in the hotel room about like, oh, why are you going out with this man? You don't even know him. And Jack is like getting up, kind of screaming at her. And she just sits there and listens to him rant at her. And it bothers me. That, like, she doesn't take control of the situation. And she just kind of sits there and lets her son yell at her.
1: And maybe it's just me feeling this way. But I kind of feel like Mackenzie Phillips' performance does not seem really confident or sure about the material either. Like, her performance is a little flat in this episode for me and i don't know if she was just having an off day or if that was because she didn't much care for the script either
4: maybe she's trying to act like she's hypnotized and not herself
1: yeah maybe. that's what
2: i was wondering too maybe throughout this whole episode molly just wasn't acting like herself because he had this power over her it's it makes you wonder how long does his power last is is it just like by physically touching her or is it eye contact like does he have to be looking at her to have this power over her or
1: I yeah, and he's well. trying to turn her into a fish too. Let's not overlook that.
4: <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Are you afraid to trust a mysterious stranger?" Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like yes would be the answer to that question.
4: So <laughs> no, I just I don't understand what was like the writer's intention in writing those lines besides pointing out that he's creepy.
1: Well, you know, if the intention was for him to be creepy, then I would say they did a great job of conveying that. But, but like I said, I mean, it's also clear to me that he wasn't meant to be entirely creepy, and that's and just the performance of the actor, the actor playing Lawl is uh, Rick Ravanello, who's done a lot of television, and um and his just it's a very strange performance. He seems like he's acting like a robot. I mean, and I get he's not human. The character he's playing is not human.
4: I was saying how um. When they enter the pool, like he immediately takes off her coat, and then you know he's taking off her shoes, and Molly just is acting like she's stunned the whole time. If you like really pay attention to her face, but I guess because she's like, "Oh, what are we doing, swimming in a pool?" But she's so happy afterwards. Yes, I don't want to say at least she's happy, but at least we got to see her smile. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh, you mentioned the pearl, this enormous pearl that Lol gives to Jack, that Jack then gives to Molly. And there's the scene where they're biting it because if the pearl tastes sandy, then you know it's real. And is it just me or is that episode kind of got or that moment got some kind of weird connotations as well?
4: (laughs) You have a dirty mind.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I'm never going to deny that. No,
4: (laughs) I I just thought it was weird. Like, why do they have to test it out that way?
1: Of all the ways they could have determined that the Pearl is real. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's a weird episode. It's not one I like.
2: (laughs) No, I, and the ending scene, I just, I'm never going to be over it. It's the worst scene in the whole show. I talked about this with Kathy a little earlier, but, you know, not only does Jack get knocked off the pier... And then Lau has a hero moment where he jumps in and saves him or whatever. And there's the shot of him carrying him back to shore. But then Lau and Molly are sitting there chatting while Jack is unconscious and has water in his lungs. Like he ends up coughing water out. So he had water in his lungs. They're just chatting away. (laughs) Molly, your son (laughs) was hit. He's probably got a concussion. He's unconscious. Fell in the water. What are you doing? And if, if it is mm-hmm. because Lau is, still is holding power over her, then gross. But if it's not, and it was just a choice by the writers, gross. I hate
3: it. <laughs> and it bothers me so much that Lau's the one who jumps in the water and gets to play hero. Because that's, that's something that's like a common abusive tactic where the man who abuses you is also the man who ends up playing hero at some point. So you keep going back to him because you think you're safe when you're not.
2: Yeah, and he holds Molly back to protect her so she can go, "Oh, my hero." <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, that's a really really bad moment. And I feel like if they had just changed a few little things, this episode could have been saved. If they had clarified that law was mind-controlling Molly and that she was not making her own decisions here, and if they had just changed that ending to have somebody else save Jack at the end. I think that would Molly have jumped Yeah. Up yeah exactly you know that would have fixed a lot of the problems i i think it would have made the episode much better
4: imagine if um molly saved jack but Lau was also in the water and he was like switching back to his merman skin and then molly like pushes him away back into the water and he loses his chance of whatever he was doing
1: yeah that that would have been that would have given her back her agency as a character yeah and that would have been a big improvement
2: Yeah, and then after all that, he puts his hand on her face again, and she is so creeped out, and I don't know if it's Mackenzie being creeped out. She looks like she is
4: terrified. It is not a pretty image at all. But she she sees, like, his skin or his hand or something, so she's, like, that's why she keeps looking back at him, like, and she asks, like, what are you or who are you? I guess. It's it's something that she witnesses, you know, that's supernatural or whatever.
2: I've seen Molly shrug off too much of the supernatural to buy into the fact that she'd be so overwhelmed while her son is hurt and injured. and I don't buy it.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's sort of funny we're talking about this episode this week because, um, you know, this week a movie comes out that's also about a romance between a woman and a merman. Uh, the Shape of Water, Camillo del Toro's new film. It's sort of funny. I uh, just <laughs> thought about that.
4: That monster's probably better.
1: Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I wanted
4: to say, we also hear a little bit of new math, which is about relationships as well. And then um, after she performs, I think Molly tells him that it's their last show there. And they're out by the water and he's like, I want you to be with me. And she's like, well, what about my family? And he's like, oh, I can't let that happen. Like, I love you. I can't let them be between us.
1: Which is like he's
4: trying to take her away. And he's like, I can give you things like beauty and treasure.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and talking about abusive tactics of abusive spouses, like that is like another, you know, like being manipulative and controlling and isolating them from their loved ones.
2: (laughs) Yes. And that reminds me of the line he said earlier in the aquarium when she's like talking about what it means to be a mom and that you, you know, work even if you don't think you can every day because you have them to take care of. And he says, but your children will be grown and gone soon. What then? (laughs) And then Molly's like, oh, wow.
3: (laughs) It really bothers me at the end of the episode. They don't debrief and go over the fact that Lau was abusive towards Molly. They just, like, let it go.
4: Yeah, they kind of make it seem like, oh, it's it's okay. He was like this because he's not human or so because he says that line, like, After he saw Molly's face or her fear when Jack fell, I don't know what he said, but he's like, oh, I understand now or something. Yeah, and it's like, oh,
3: he understands what love is. Yay, happy ending. No, that's not a happy ending.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think some of that might just be, once again, you know, this is a 22-minute show that can only fit in so much. And if this had been like an hour show, maybe we could have seen a little bit more of Molly and Lau's relationship, and it would at least be less rushed. Uh, not that it would make it any less creepy, but uh, at least it would have a little more time to develop, you know. So when he says, you know, I love you, come away with me at the end, of, they've known each other for literally two days.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, what I really like uh, another Jack scene is when he comes to the rescue and he calls Lao psycho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, I love that. Uh, yeah, Molly's trying to, like, get away from him because she's, like, mad about uh, what he's talking about leaving. Uh, her children. Jack's like, get away from her, you psycho. Mm-hmm. And then I also like when uh, Jack, when he gets saved, and the first thing he says is he asks if Molly's okay. Yeah. Jack
3: gets all of the awards for this episode.
4: He's the only decent
3: character in this episode who uses his head appropriately and handles the situation the way it should be handled.
2: Yeah. He's just not very good at explaining why Lau's creepy. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, when he tried in the hotel room, uh, Molly and Fever, like, those aren't bad things. But, uh, I mean, it's not like Jack has an issue with Molly trying to be with someone new. Because yeah, I think well, he was...
3: It sense Lau was a creep, but he couldn't quite put his finger on why.
4: Yeah, and he was all for Tad Raxel, I think. He was, like, happy for Molly.
1: Tad Tadraxel was kind of creepy, too.
4: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we talked about that.
2: Um, You know, they say that apparently Molly was only meant to be with Rick, so all of her other relationships were doomed. But uh, this episode just should not have happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I said, if they had changed a couple of things, I think they could have saved this one. But as it is now, it's definitely an episode with a lot of problems. A couple of things I want to mention. Um, No uh, Ned and Irene in this episode at all. They're just not in it.
3: Irene would never let this happen. She's so <laughs> a good of a friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I also just want to mention that Lal's last name, or at least the last name he gives, is Nereus. And they actually mentioned in the, in the episode he was a... Nereus was a proto-Greek water deity who is the father of the Nereads, who are the water and lake sprites and nymphs. So that's sort of interesting. Though Lal, as far as I can tell, has no significance. It's a, a Middle Eastern name an Indian Middle Eastern name, so I don't know why they picked that. But but other than that, yeah, I don't have too many thoughts on this one. I think I've said pretty much everything I want to say on it. Anybody else?
3: I don't like the way Jack's hair is combed in this episode. <laughs> His heart seems like it's too extreme. I don't know why, but it bugs me.
1: I love that at, at the end of the long list of complaints you have about this episode, there's Jack's hair looks weird. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Okay, so do we want to go ahead and do ratings or anything else we want to talk about?
4: Um, Yeah, we can do ratings.
1: Okay, who wants to go first? You go first. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, I'd give this probably uh, like a 4.5, like a 5-ish, 4, I don't know. I mean, it's still so weird. I wouldn't, I mean, it's like competently directed. This is another Paul Lynch episode. It looks pretty good. The music's good. Um, you know, I mean, like, it's still a, a competent thing. It's not physically painful for me to watch it, so... So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it, like, a, like
4: a 4.5. I would give it a 2 out of 10. <laughs> and I give it a few points because I like Jack, and I like that, um, they're... They actually say that they're in Vancouver, so you can see the aquarium, which is nice, which I didn't go when I went to Vancouver, but, um it's in stanley park so i passed by it so almost it's a cool. so
1: weird landmark
4: yeah that's about it though <laughs>
3: yeah i'd give it like a 2.5
2: well this one obviously gets two thumbs down for me as i said it's my least favorite in the first two seasons i just i get a lot of enjoyment and you know joy watching this show and so watching this episode i just spend the whole time like squirming so I can't say that I honestly enjoy much about this one at all. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it, it could be the worst in all three seasons, but I hate, I truly hate Lightning Rod, but for totally different <laughs> reasons.
1: <laughs> I'm looking at my personal ranking here, and I put Fathom above Vampire, Topa, Listen, Avatar, and Boo. So, <laughs> but that's still pretty wow. low. And I don't know if I if I redid this now, I probably would rank it a little lower because you know you, you guys, your negativity has convinced me that it's bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We've heard that fans enjoy this episode, and you know we'd be happy to hear your argument.
1: Yeah, we definitely want not need to mention that. That apparently there are fans of this episode. There are people who even like Molly and Lao as a couple. So more power to you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and just that piggyback off of that i recently found a little blurb written in 2005 from conrad's hideout about the many cool, many wonderful moments in fathom so because this is a little bit positive we'll just share this now so the post says i think i have un- an unnatural love for the episode fathom i'm not sure why maybe it's because the song origami rocks or because carrie puts his arm around molly after the show looks back at la like he's defending his territory or the fact that Lao is so completely creepy, but Molly falls for him anyway. Or the method that Carrie, the college dropout, uses to shoot her feet, Ha ha. The best part is the fact that Jack knows how to spell Lao's name just by instinct. He looks up all the listings of Lao Nerius on some gangster computer program <laughs> that obviously has a list of every person in the entire world. He doesn't even think, "Gee, maybe I spelled Nerius wrong." He's unlisted. or even maybe he doesn't live in North America. Ha ha ha. Oh man. So great. A program that mm-hmm. listed every person in the world while it was searching for them. Actually, I really wish I had the So Weird Fake Internet because it's awesome and amazingly fast for dial up. <laughs> so, thank you, Take Me Back from Conrad's Hideout, for this little bit of positivity. The Conrad's Hideout was my inspiration for getting so involved in this So Weird
1: fandom, so I owe a lot to them. Um, yeah, and that is a good point about that website jack uses like there are you know sites that allow you to look up people's phone numbers and stuff usually you have to pay for them but a lot of that stuff is public records but i don't think you can just type in somebody's name and find out everything there is to know about them you know i don't think quite works that way but uh hey you know like i said, i've mentioned this before that this was that time period where computers and the internet can do anything it was still new
3: especially if it's fake internet
1: okay so do we have any uh anything else we want to talk about
4: Feedback. So this is from Andrea. Uh, She said for a troll episode, I never paid attention to the fact that Fee's computer turned into an apple. Now I have a thought. Do you think that it was turned into a fruit on purpose to reference Apple computers slash Apple products in general? That would be clever.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think that probably was intentional, yeah.
4: Really? Because
3: I think that would kind of be stretching it. Because then I don't think Apple was really that popular, and it was mostly referred to as Macintosh.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Apple was pretty popular at the time, I think. Um, I don't know. It it might not be, but it seems pretty likely to me that it might have been. I don't know.
4: And then Mm -hmm. in season three, um, Annie's laptop is a Mac, right? I think Mm. so. Those colorful ones? They couldn't afford the House in the Mountains anymore, but they could
2: (laughs) give Annie a nice any laptop,
3: and her own room. It bothers me. It's not even P's <laughs> room. She's gonna come back after that year with Aunt Melinda, and not even
4: have her own. room
1: Maybe they have a guest room.
4: <laughs> That's all the comments that we got.
1: Wow. Well, thank you, uh, Andrea. You know, you always keep lock keeping it locked down. Thank you, our most faithful fan.
4: Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I hope she posts something so I could read something. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I mean, the holidays have happened, so there hasn't, you know, we, we do apologize if there's been any delays or anything, but I feel like we're pretty consistent.
4: We usually post two episodes per month, but in November we just posted one. But, yeah, holidays and other stuff. But we're getting through it. <laughs> yes. Almost done with season two.
1: Yeah, I know. Hard to believe. Anything else you guys want to talk about?
3: I feel like it's just wrong... To leave an episode about a merman without mentioning or discussing for a little bit the Disney Channel movie *The Thirteenth
1: Year*. Yeah, uh, huh? Weird that there's so much mermaid stuff coming merman around. Stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. You know, male I've merman.
3: Thought it was so interesting that like you never hear about mermaids, and then all of a sudden, in the late '90s, early 2000s, on Disney Channel, it's all about the merman. No mermaids, mm. other than *Little Mermaid*. Just mermen.
1: Well, maybe that's why they wanted to do the mermen, because they felt like, you know, the mermaid has such a prominent place in Disney history. True. Yeah, I mean, usually in in popular culture, you you see the mermaid a lot, but if it's like a male fish creature, it is sort of more like the creature from the Black Lagoon, kind of Lovecraftian, mutated, half-human, half-fish. It's much more grotesque and monstrous when, you know, reading to that what you want to about gender perception and all that. But uh, yeah, the 13th year, that's when I remember being pretty good. haven't seen yeah. it probably in 15 years, but...
3: I liked it. It was a sweet movie.
4: We also see another fish man, monster dude, in season three.
1: Yeah, we do. Aww.
4: I think it's gone fishing.
1: And uh, that episode's pretty bad as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing I remember about the 13th year is uh, the scene at the end where the kid, like, uses his electrical eel powers to uh, resuscitate somebody. I remember that. And I remember it had a really awful theme song. Uh, and that is about it, my recollections on that one. It's been a long time. Is that on DVD or anything? I doubt it. Oh, man.
2: Well, it may be available for download at least.
1: Okay, I know a couple of the Disney Channel originals are on like iTunes and stuff. I'd like to revisit that one. I'd like to revisit Can of Worms because I liked that one as a kid. A couple others uh, under wraps. I'd like to see again, though. I know that was released on DVD, but I think it's way out of print.
2: Are we moving on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. I wanted to say one thing. Um, if anyone, you know, so weird fans are interested in the original ending to Twin, go to the forum and go to the casting crew board, and you can find it there.
2: Yes in script form so it's legit and it's awesome and we will be discussing it on our twin episode for sure yes
1: very soon coming up um
2: did you all watch the hey arnold jungle movie yeah the what hey arnold the jungle movie
1: oh hey arnold no i I didn't no i didn't watch that Uh,
2: i mean it's just barely related to so weird because basically this movie recently came out. There's a follow-up to Hey Arnold, the series. And basically the only reason it came out is because fans petitioned for it to come out.
1: Well, I think um, Nickelodeon is maybe doing, cause I know they're also doing an Invader Zim movie, which I am interested in. And um, so this might be something they're maybe going to be doing going forward, like television films that are sort of continuations of these Nicktoon cartoons that still seem pretty fresh in my mind, but I've been off the air for 10, 15 years at this point because we're all old and getting older still.
3: Yeah. Well, is a lot more receptive for their older audiences and in doing justice for their original shows.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, they acknowledge yeah. that period more willingly than Disney does, which doesn't seem to want to talk about anything older than that. So Raven or Lizzie McGuire.
4: Yeah, yeah they really market it. Um, I think I've said this before. When I went to Comic Con, they always have a huge booth and a huge sign um, with uh, talking about all their old shows. And recently I went to like a huge mall and there's a box lunch store in there where they sell merchandise. Basically it's like Hot Topic but without the clothes. So it's just all merch. And they had a section just dedicated to old Nick show. So they had a bunch of uh, Rugrats stuff. Like they had Rugrats socks. They had like Reptar hats. It was so cool to see all that.
1: Yeah, I mean they even I know Nickelodeon like a couple of years ago promoted this concert event that was called 90s Fest that was all like 90s acts, I know, like Vanilla Ice and Lisa Loeb were there or something like that. But
2: um, <laughs> well, I just brought it up because I don't know. I mean, we're we all dream of something like that happening one day for so weird, but it won't. <laughs> I don't know if it ever will. I probably not because The Jungle movie did not get very good ratings, and they're already pulling it from their lineup, according to Nick and more, like, reruns of it. So... Really? It's not looking good for... Yeah. It's not looking good for revival stuff for Nick. And if it's not looking good for revival stuff for Nick, it's certainly not looking good for revival stuff for Disney.
1: Well, as I've said a 100 times before, you know, some continuation or a sequel or a reboot or a comic or anything like that would be great, but at this point, just having the episodes in HD would be... Something I would be super, super thankful for. <laughs> and even that seems yeah. like a long shot. so
2: <laughs> Yeah. We can all still try. I don't <laughs> want to be Eeyore or whatever, but I just feel like it right now.
4: Something else that's getting a movie. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh,
2: yes.
0: Oh, my
4: God. I forgot about that.
1: Okay, clearly and we have to talk about this.
4: Yes, so the screenwriter, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, same screenwriter as for the recent movie It.
1: Yeah, one of the screenwriters for um, the new It film worked on, is working on this uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark movie. And I think it's kind of an interesting idea. I like, that makes me think that maybe the film will not be as goofy and kid, kiddie ish as the Goosebumps movie from a couple years ago was. And it's interesting to me. I'm intrigued to see the direction they'll go in with that.
2: I'm mostly bitter. I'm just bitter yeah, they me too. already <laughs> got seven seasons of that show. They got uh, apparently like the last two episodes were a movie, so they get another movie. What? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Are You
1: Afraid of the Dark was way more popular than this show ever was. <laughs> I know,
4: I know. Was it? I'm I'm bitter because I didn't like Are You Afraid of the Dark, and I like So Weird much more. <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark scared me. Yeah. The intro scared me, but I've seen at least two episodes on YouTube now and they're just, I don't know. I like characters and I like story in that. I, think, I feel like Are You Afraid of the Dark wasn't necessarily about that, but more about the themes.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Are you for there did have a super creepy opening credit sequence? Um, yes. And, and, yeah. you know, it, it was a different sort of show than so weird. Cause being an anthology series, there wasn't really any continuing characters, you know, so different kind of thing, but um, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I wasn't really a big fan and I haven't felt the need to revisit it, but uh, maybe I should. I don't know.
2: I rewatched some of the seasons recently cause they were on Amazon prime. And I mean, it, it holds up pretty well. The episode that traumatized me as a kid was Dead Man's Float, which is about... Me too. To- yes. I seriously, I like... I remember nightmares of that one. Or, like, <laughs> actually swimming, I would avoid the drains, because that episode scared me so much.
1: But- I do not remember that one, sorry to say. Uh-
2: <laughs> oh No, that's a good thing. <laughs>
1: well, you know, the, uh, are you afraid of the Dark? I remember there was an episode with a clown, like the, the Crimson Clown, I think yeah. it was called. I remember that one. I remember there was like a guy who was turning people into lizards or something, or stealing their youth. I don't know. That might have been a Goosebumps episode, another thing about it.
3: I think there was the uh, hospital one with the night shift.
1: Okay. And then there was an episode where um, the vampire from Nosferatu comes out of the movie and is pursuing mm-hmm. somebody through the theater. I... Or something like that. So uh, that's pretty much my uh, recollections about Are You Afraid of the Dark. I know Ryan Gosling was in both an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. He was just all over kids' television in the 90s. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. Or am I'm I? Kathy.
3: I'm Emily. <laughs> and I'm Pat. Keep the faith and stay away from creepers like wow. <laughs>
0: I just can't sleep. These walls are paper thin. I just can't take the heat. Something's trying to get in. In me. In me. In me.